Welcome in. The lights of Beaver Stadium still shining on us. Sean Fitz, Tyler Donahue. It's about 10 of 1 a.m. on Sunday, September 8th, and Penn State is 2-0. It wasn't exactly the route they thought that we thought they would take to get to this point, but a 45-13 win. The final score looks pretty good, but this is a team in Penn State that faced a three-point deficit at halftime. There was some restlessness, to say the least, among Beaver Stadium fans. A bit of a different situation than week one. They faced some adversity. They bounced back. And a 38-3 second-half advantage for the Nittany Lions turns this one into a situation where they actually cover the spread of this game. Didn't look that way, but Sean, a win is a win. The final score, not really indicative of what we saw, but a team that faced its first test and, and kind of passed it in terms of getting beaten up a little bit. Welcome back to the Lions 24-7 postgame podcast. Thanks for joining us to those of you who may still be sitting in traffic, if it's still happening, or on your drive home. Uh, not exactly how they drew it up, to be honest with you. Penn State, as you mentioned, did cover that 31.5 point spread, um, but really just uh, a bunch a bunch of speed bumps along the way, execution on both sides of the ball lacking, a lot of things for James Franklin and his crew to, to, to clean up in the next week before Pitt comes to town for a noon kickoff next Saturday. Uh, really right out of the gate, Buffalo kind of controlled the tempo in the first half. They, they had a game plan for Penn State. They were going to punch him in the mouth, use that power running game that they that they you know have leaned on so much uh, since Lance Leipold uh, took over in Buffalo. I mean, it, it worked. Let's, let's just be honest with you. Penn State's front four, we've talked about how tenacious and how, uh, you know, how much talent there is up there. They really didn't rise to the challenge until uh, a couple of drives in, made some adjustments, uh, clamped down on a, on a few things. But uh, it, it was really just kind of a shock and a little bit uh, of exposure for the Nittany Lions defense. And credit to the Buffalo Bulls coaching staff. We spent all week talking about how much they lost during the offseason. Didn't really learn a lot about them in a 38-10 to win over Robert Morris last week in their opener. Uh, they figured some stuff out, and I think you got to start with their quarterback, Matt Myers, a kid who came into this game. Uh, with five completions in his entire career, you know, five for 10, 69 yards, a couple touchdowns week one. We said, you know, if Penn State can put the pressure on him, make make him beat you, that's a good, good spot to be. But there was a stretch there, Sean, particularly late in the first half where he was really proving something about himself, and, and I think he'll carry that forward, and, and he tested this Penn State team. It was running game, and it was quick throws. Penn State didn't have a chance to get after him uh, when he dropped back, and really, uh, some really impressive throws, especially for a true freshman. It was really impressed with Matt Myers, what he was going to be able to do, where he put the ball. Antonio Nunn, the wide receiver, was also impressed with him uh, as well, so Penn State really didn't have an answer for that. I mean, they kept going to uh, Jarrett Patterson for the, you know, he was a tough runner. Kevin Marks also had uh, a, a nice game as well um and yeah it just it, it really just didn't seem crisp at any level I mean that front four of course we talked about the pass rushing specialist but uh, really kind of exposed in the run game the linebackers uh, struggled certainly Jan Johnson had better moments uh in, in the second half than he did in the first half Cam Brown's sort of still getting used to things as he came in he just played I think a series last week against Idaho and then in the back I thought the, the corners played fantastic I thought the safeties left a lot to be desired Three Castro fields was outstanding throughout much of the game. John Reed, uh, probably the best game I have seen him play, and I've been covering this team since 2017. He wasn't on the field that season. Uh, I would say this is the best performance, a uh, momentum-switching interception, which we'll get to in a moment at the start of the, the second half. But uh, when you look at the first half, we talked about all those gaudy numbers last week, Sean, how impressive they were, the first downs and total yards. When you get to halftime, this team's down 10-7. to 7. They had four first downs. They had 35 first downs last week. So the Buffalo had 12 first downs. 
Uh, and this is a team that was, you know, the, the yardage told the story. They had 59 passing yards and 23 rushing yards at halftime. Uh, Buffalo had, uh, you know, exceeded them by far in both categories. And I think what you looked at was time of possession because they really did a nice job of keeping Penn State off the football field. You know, they have the explosive weapons, uh, several players in this offense who can really score at any time. But 21 minutes and 28 seconds for Buffalo in the first half. Penn State, 8 minutes and 32 seconds. And the first half kind of came and went, and you said, where the heck was Sean Clifford? It felt like he was never on the field. Yeah, it, a time of possession. When you're scoring, and we've seen Penn State in the, in the past, uh, when, when they score and they have these quick strike things, which we'll get to in the second half, time of possession really doesn't matter. I mean, that's you, you're on the field. Of course, you want to get your defense some rest. But if you're scoring, it really doesn't matter. This game, it's 7-3 to three late in the second quarter. You're thinking, where did the time go? Buffalo very content to roll up as much clock as they could, and they did a fantastic job doing it. I believe at one point uh, they were 5 of 9 on third downs. Penn State really couldn't get off the field, and, and that's really what really what hurt this defense. And offensively, uh, still Sean Clifford has looked good in the first two weeks at times, but his decision-making is still not there, and you can see that. I mean, it's just in the run game, it's really hurting. I think he's running a little bit too much, um, especially when you want to see him you know, make it through the entire season. Uh, had a great run in the second half, but still, his decision-making is something that's evolving. He's two starts in. That's to be expected. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that the, in that first half, there's just very disjointed effort, um, just guys all over the place. And I think it starts with that offensive line. That offensive line, as we mentioned several times, just still not where they need to be, and that's going to impact everything else around it. Um, you're not used to seeing K.J. Hamler drop a pass. He dropped a pass. So really nothing in that first half just kind of went to plan. Uh, you had to, to, to lean on Pat Fryermuth, to be honest with you. When we were at practice Friday night, or excuse me, Wednesday night, it looked like they were preparing for a light workload for uh, Pat Fryermuth. You know, of course, he came out of the, the Idaho game. So, I mean, it's just nothing really clicked. There was a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of in and out on defense, not much to, uh, to, I guess, not much traction to go with with offense. So really just in the first half, just so much left to be desired. Yeah, and, and it was really kind of a back-breaking drive there for Buffalo towards the, the end of that first half. It was a 10-play drive, 96 yards, uh, 4.30 off the clock, uh, a touchdown from Myers to, to Julian Barossa. And what stood out there was uh, they sent the blitz at him, and he stared right at it, and he found his man in the back of the end zone. And, again, that was with about 11 seconds or so left in the half. And, and so Sean Clifford takes a knee, and this team runs through the locker room. And, and, again, you get punched in the face, and it can be a good thing to see how you respond. And, and from what we gathered, you know, they go into that locker room, and, and Sean Clifford steps up as someone who's vocal on the on the offensive end. We Garrett Taylor, John Reed said he was obviously you could hear him from the other side of that locker room. Pat Fryer said, you know, it was a moment that was important. And we talked about it, the young leadership. There's a lot of second-year players, a lot of redshirt sophomores, true sophomores who are captains on this team. You can't turn and, and find Nick Scott or Trace McSorley in the corner ready to step up and give you a speech. So compared to last week when, what was it, 44-0 at halftime, you're pretty much going in and waiting to get back out there, chomping at the bit to put up more points. This is a situation where a team that rushed for 331 yards in its opener, at halftime they had 23 yards on the ground. And so, you know, I, I think that there was a time when you said, is this team going to come out of its funk or are they going to linger into the third quarter? And all of a sudden momentum switched. And, and it, it was timely because, let's face it, the third quarter started out with more of the same. Ricky Slade has trouble handling the ball. He gets popped. 
Ball's out there loose. Buffalo recovers. That's when John Reed steps up. Yeah, John Reed with the pick six, and that was a nice play. The ball was a little bit behind uh, behind the receiver. Reed did exactly what he had to do. It kind of coasted in the end zone. Congratulations to you. You called a defensive touchdown on the uh, pregame podcast uh, earlier this week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things that can just flip a game. Um, I mean, that's uh, goals change games, and that is pick sixes are no different. So uh, John Reed kind of changed some things. Penn State got came out, got another stop. Uh, went to Pratt Fryermuth right away for one play touchdown drive, and all of a sudden it's twenty-one to ten, feeling a little bit better. And and, and this is a game where you know I think the first half is going to be so, so far under the microscope. I mean that's we're not going to talk about the thirty-eight to three in the second half as much, just because you saw um, a team with high expectations, a team that scored seventy-nine points last week, come out and score seven against a MAC team in the first half. So I think that's worth breaking down. I think that's worth uh, evaluating from. From a uh, from a standpoint, uh, a critical standpoint. So, uh, you, go ahead. Well, sometimes I think we undervalue the psychological aspect of playing at night for the first time for a lot of these guys. I mentioned this on the pregame podcast. You know, it's not just Sean Clifford. It's a lot of these players who aren't used to to being someone who's counted on as a starter or a, a primary contributor. And then you're sitting and maybe you're watching some other football over the course of the day. But you're thinking about, you're visualizing what you're going to do that night. You're going to be on Fox. A lot of people are going to be watching. Your friends at home. It, it's a big stage for a lot. Of these guys and it's a long wait on these Saturdays so I wasn't necessarily surprised to see them uh, you know kind of seem like they were sleepwalking a bit in the first half maybe a, a little dazed by the situation but again you're playing a Buffalo team where they're used to playing in front of at the most 28,000 people on their home turf so it's not an excuse but I can I can see why that may be a reason uh, for some sluggish uh, play in the, in the first half. Well you scored 79 points last week you see Buffalo who, who lost so much from that team last year and you know you really kind of start feeling good about yourself. It, it, there's so many defensive rotations. A lot of guys played. It looked like Penn State was trying to keep guys fresh or cycle them through there to see what they could get. And all of a sudden, you're on your heels, and you're not sure how to handle that. And when you do that with young players, it's tough to make adjustments. That was one thing James Franklin talked about in the post game was making adjustments on the fly is not something that they're very good at right now. They can go in at halftime. They can do some things and, and make some changes. And obviously, they did that this week and were able to have a lot of success with it. But Doing it on the fly is something they haven't been able to master yet. He said that's the next step for this young defense. That's the next step for, for a lot of these young players. I'm not sure if he specifically pinned that on the defense, but um, just making adjustments on the fly is going to be all too key when they get into the Big Ten season and all of a sudden they get smacked in the mouth because that's really what happened. I mean, offensively, uh, excuse me, on the offensive line and the defensive line, Penn State was really pushed around, and that's not something you want to come out to, of a MAC game thinking about. So, um, I think it's something that they can learn from. It's maybe a, an approach situation where how you walk into that game, you know, figuring it, if it's a MAC team, if it's Pitt next week, or if it's a Big Ten team for the rest of the schedule. I mean, you've got to approach it the same way each time, and and that and that might be something that uh, that you take away from this game if you're Penn State. Mike Miranda got the start at right guard this time around. It was C.J. Thorpe in that role as a starter uh, in Game One, but of course there is a rotation in place. Saw a lot of both those players. Stephen Gonzalez on the left side. Saw more of Des Holmes at tackle, and I will say, you talk about the trenches, it, different approach to defensive tackle this week in terms of a lot more Fred Hansard based on, on, on observation here. And, and I thought uh, also it, it seemed like they really, at wide receiver, just talking about personnel, really kind of scaled down what they were looking at, who they were working with, 
that Daniel George came off uh, the sideline as a fourth guy in, in lieu of the starters with, with Hamler and, and Dotson and Shorter. Uh, but we didn't see you know a lot of Matt Kippenhammer, Cam Solomon Brown, or even Weston Carr, someone that we thought maybe was, was going to be due for more reps this week. So uh, maybe they would have liked to have gone to those kind of players more often like they were able to in the first game. But a lot of fewer players involved in this one, I think, at the on the trenches, there is definitely a lot to take away here because, uh, you know, Mark Brennan said, oh, well, this is a good test. And, and we were, of course, sit next to Mark in the press press box. He said, oh, this is a good test for Penn State because it's a, you know elevated thing in terms of who you're facing on the offensive and defensive line. I said, well, this is a nice test, I guess, but the Big Ten's going to have plenty of them. So, you know, you better get your act together. And, and I've said for a long time, I've been circling that October 12th game against Iowa as you got, you better figure it out offensive line and who your starters are and, and really how that rotation is going to work. Otherwise, you could be in for a world of hurt. And, and you know, who knows now? Maryland's playing good football too, and, and Pittsburgh's going to come in next week. And, and they've got power five level talent. They're a little beat up on the defensive line. But, yeah, this is a little bit of a, a return to earth moment for that offensive line. And, and, and you could probably throw the defensive line not to the same level. But I, I was still surprised that even as they got things going in the second half, Sean, one thing that never got going for the talent we talk about at running back, none of those running backs, Ricky Slade, Journey Brown, Noah Kane, Devin Ford wasn't involved as he was last week, but no one was able to really spring loose for a substantial gain out of that backfield. And I thought that was kind of the big surprise for me. Yeah, Ricky Slade put the ball on the ground twice tonight. Uh, it is really not a great start to the season for him at all. Um, you know, it, we talked about it coming into the season. This is a talented running back room, and if you put the ball on the ground, you might not get back on the field. That's exactly what happened to Slade this evening. Sean Clifford was Penn State's leading rusher. Uh, Journey Brown, I thought, looked pretty good. Uh, Journey Brown was very, very close to, to busting a big one in the first uh, in the first quarter, I think it was. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I think it's more of a scheme thing. you got to go with Ricky Ronnie and see what's going on. I mean, let's talk about that drive, uh, about nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Penn State inside their own five, and really no time burn off the clock, uh, no movement whatsoever. Sean Clifford eventually takes a sack at about the two, and they got to punt it out of their own end zone. Uh, Penn State's running game just uh, very disjointed right now. It's hard to pin it. It's hard to pin it on the actual athletes because I'm looking at the box score here, and 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 Sean Clifford, as you said, led the team in in rushing with a net of 51. Now he had that 58 yard run, so it kind of tells you how the rest of the night went. But the opportunities just weren't really there. I mean, it's not like they were going to the well with this group. Journey Brown, six carries, net of 28. His longest run was 10 yards. Ricky Slade, three carries, net of eight. His longest run was six yards. You talked about the ball security issues. And then you had Noah Kane. It was an impactful two-yard run. It was a touchdown run, and it's his third touchdown run in the first two games, which is something to be said for that for Noah Kane. But that was his only carry. So... We talk about the talent that they've assembled and, and, and you know, being in that RBU conversation now in 2019. Six carries for Journey Brown, three carries for Ricky Slade, one carry for Noah Kane. Devin Ford does not get a carry. Uh, and this is a game where you have a significant lead uh, you know, for much of the second half. And I just thought it was stunning that there was never really concerted effort to develop that kind of rhythm. Yeah, and, and like I said earlier, I think Sean Clifford may be running a little bit too much. Uh, maybe that's his decision. Maybe that's what he's seeing. Um, but still, I think you got to trust those guys in that situation. Kane, by the way, was the running back on Clifford's uh, 
uh, long run. So he was kind of the decoy on that one, but uh, very nice run by Clifford up the uh, the left sideline. Uh, yeah, I mean that 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 running game has got to come along. You mentioned Mike Miranda started at right guard. He also played some left guard. Not a ton of push uh, from either side. I thought actually Miranda played fairly well. I haven't looked at the tape obviously yet, but I thought he played better than C.J. Thorpe, who also had a uh, man downfield penalty uh, that cost Penn State a big gain on a reception. So um, another another good week for Mike Miranda. But that running game, it's going to take something to get rolling. I'm I'm not sure what it is, but uh, Ricky Ronnie's got to get in there and, and make some decisions. I think the best run blocking I saw today, perhaps, Sean, was from the smaller guys in the football field. That receiver group this year, so far through two games, it's a small sample size, but I think that's something that has been dramatically noticeable in their ability to block downfield. On Pat Fryermuth's touchdown on the fourth and one, which he you know took a took a well placed pass from Sean Clifford, but he did a lot of that work and he turned up field and hit the sideline and he had escorts. He had Jahan Dotson, he had KJ Hamler, and Jahan Dotson shows up in a, a few big moments as a blocker. Had himself a game. He scored his first couple touchdowns, uh, punctuated things with a long touchdown in the fourth quarter, but uh, a guy that's really rounding out. And then Pat Fryermuth, just to go back to him, I mean, for, for Clifford to be able to lean on a guy like Fryermuth, he looked right to him. It was designed to go to him on a fourth and one play, and we talked about it. Trace McSorley even by the end of September last year, that was kind of his money man in crunch time moments. Pat Fryermuth, eight catches, 99 yards, a couple more touchdowns, and um, you know he, he just continues to show that he is a guy that you can lean on, and that's that's big for a sophomore. Yeah, and our stats might be a little bit off. Penn State's <laughs> stats went out during the game, um, so I, I'm going on Fox, which actually has changed Fryermuth from a 100-yard to a 99-yard day. That's so. what Penn State gave us, 99. Uh, Doc, uh, Dotson with four catches, 109 yards, and two touchdowns, basically a carbon copy of what we saw from K.J. Hamler last week against Idaho. Um, what, what's interesting, and, and not to harp on the negative, but his touchdown in the first quarter was sort of a, a microcosm of what you would expect to see or what, what you would come to see from the rest of the half in that I'm not sure if they ran the wrong routes. I mean, those guys were piled right on top of each other. K.J. Hamler was right underneath Dotson. It didn't look you know, like they drew it up that way. It still worked, so, um, so, so that was a good thing. But it was just a little bit of a disjointed effort everywhere. I keep saying the, the same words over and over again, but just a little bit of a disjointed effort, and, and really the, the results speak for themselves. There's just no traction whatsoever. And, and Clifford said unequivocally, yeah, he was looking for Dotson. And as you'd expect him to say, he said Dotson was a target on that touchdown, as you said. K.J. Handler, very savvy move there to, to kind of create some space, uh, you know, kind of getting in the way a little bit uh, and freeing up Dotson down there. Um, by, I, by, by the way, Pat Fryermuth uh, was sitting beside Sean Clifford in the postgame and said that Trace would have scored Trace on that long scored. touchdown run. So, which yeah. uh, and This was, time it was a, a teammate bringing up the Trace McSorley comparison, not the media, which was a nice change of pace. Uh, I will say, as much as we're going to talk about disjointedness and and, and some of the, obviously, the overarching ineffectiveness of the offensive line to really have its way and set the stage for, for this offense, I do think there's something to be said for not going too far down the road and reading too much into a lot of this because the turnover thing. I know Ricky Slade had trouble with ball security, but you're through two games with, with Sean Clifford right now. He's got six touchdown passes. He's shown he has the wheels. He hasn't turned the ball over yet, and I think at a position that is everything uh, in determining what you can be as a college football program, really across the board in football, quarterback is the end-all, be-all and what you can do. I think the big thing was what was his decision-making look like early. He hasn't turned the ball over, and two, he just said that those nerves he experienced last year or last week, they weren't there. He says he felt more locked in all day long, all week long, and, and you know every start's going to kind of build up that confidence. Uh, I think for Sean Clifford, though, for him, he got into a point where he got in that locker room and, and – 
guys returning to him. That's a different experience. He's been the guy that, that says, okay, what's what would Trace do? What's Trace going to tell us in the halftime? How is he going to rally us? Um, there's not many guys left from that 2016 team. And, and John John Reed, Robert Windsor made some great points during the postgame interview session. They both said, you know, it, we got to take it upon ourselves to tell these guys, hey, in 2016, let me tell you about the time we were down at halftime in, in the Big Ten game or against Minnesota, and we rallied and, and we did this, and people didn't give us any credit. We got booed off the field at halftime. Now, you know, they can kind of instill some of that because I think people out there kind of forget there's not a lot of Big Ten bowl rings, uh, Big Ten championship rings existent in this locker room right now. So it's a learning process, and, and this is an opportunity for guys like Sean Clifford, Pat Fryermuth, Micah Parsons in that locker room. Now they're the guys who need to step up, square it away, and then go lead by example on the field. Clifford, 16-22, 280 yards, four touchdowns, and I think he said 51 rushing yards yeah. on top of that. Back-to-back so. games where I think he hits 330 total yards of offense. Yeah, so quietly, I mean, it, I guess we'll say quietly, but quietly, <laughs> you know, putting up some good numbers as well. I thought a guy on the defensive side of the ball that had a really good night, uh, P.J. Mustafer, a defensive tackle. Yes. Um, obviously, the, that, that group as a whole, um, with the running game that Buffalo put forth, you know, it's got some improvement to do. We saw more of Hanser tonight. Hanser more of a run stuffer, um, which which makes sense. But PJ Mustafer was was pretty active. He was around. He had a big tackle for loss late in the game. Uh, I guess I think it was late in the third quarter or early in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, he looked like he he's going to push for more. I think you asked James Franklin, is he a type of guy that you can rely on as a game wrecker? Not yet, but they think that they can you know keep uh, chipping in that direction. We use the term a coach's dream talking about P.J. Mustafer and kind of how he's approached things since arriving on campus last May, um, and I thought he flashed a lot tonight. Um, and aside from those cornerbacks, we said three Castro Fields, John Reed played well. Um, all three linebackers were challenged a lot tonight because that running game, those running backs did a nice job, Patterson especially, of getting to that second level. He seemed to he seemed to really have a, a knack for for all of a sudden accelerating and getting past that that, that skirmish at the at the scrimmage and Cam Brown was in a lot of spots. I mean, ten tackles. He had a forced fumble and a fumble recovery, which was well. Uh, and I, and I thought Micah Parsons also a couple tackles for loss. He was more involved. One tackle last week, and again, the stat sheet isn't going to tell you much from that game. It's hard to trust a lot of the stats from that Idaho game in totality, but I thought Micah Parsons kind of got back in the swing of things a bit this week um, in terms of being a, a factor for this defense and, and being on the field a lot. I don't, I don't remember Micah Parsons coming off much in this one. No, a lot of guys played in this one, but yeah, Parsons was out there. I think he, he came out fairly early. We saw a little bit of Cat, uh, Charlie Catcher in there. Um, playing Sam, and then we saw some Jesse Lucchetta in there as well. So um, guys cycling through there, and maybe, you know, this is something that we've seen from Penn State in the last couple of years. They want to get a lot of this experience for some of these younger guys. They put them out there in a, in, a, in sort of a delicate situation, I guess, and, and go from there. And that's, you know, it hasn't always worked. So uh, Penn State uh, defensively, it's just I think it's just going to keep coming along. I still think this can be a really good defense, um, but once they, they're going to settle into some more – uh, I guess, uh, standard rotations and things like that, and I think they'll be fine. I do want to mention Brandon Smith. You and I were down on the field for the last few minutes. That boy and, can and hit. Yeah. Got treated to another one where yep. he just – and then I think it was the following play, he knocked an offensive lineman uh, off his feet and then made another tackle, kind of kind of more absorbed that, that contact. But Brandon Smith looks like a player who is uh, – I don't care when he's out there in the game – 
he looks comfortable at right now playing college football, and that's that's half the battle with the true freshman. Yeah, curious how he's going to chip away at snaps from other guys. I'm not sure where the where the position is. We saw a lot of Ellis Brooks tonight, which you know Jan Johnson led the team in tackles with 12 tackles, but 11 were assisted tackles. We saw a bunch of Ellis Brooks. He had a, the half sack, uh, kind of up and down, just based off what I remember from him uh, this evening. And then we uh, another personnel note. Freshman Smith Vilbert got his first action on the, I guess, the last drive of the game. Big, big boy. Um, yeah. Looked like he was, uh, you know, fairly athletic there, fairly comfortable out there. But uh, he's probably, I mean, he's a redshirt guy. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, but he got in there at defensive end. We saw some Adisa Isaac again um, and a couple of those other freshmen that we've we've grown accustomed to seeing on special teams. Shane Simmons also made a play off the edge, Sean, where he was in space, had to make a tackle out there on his own. And that showed me again, I think you're not looking at the stat sheet yet with Shane Simmons and you're looking at steps forward because of all the chunks of time he missed. And this was a sign to me that he's on that right path. And obviously because of the depth you have at defensive end, he doesn't have to be a stalwart for you game in, game out. Uh, but, but I thought that was a nice sign for his for his progression. I, I saw Shane one at one point. Penn State uh, went to a three man front. Shane was playing some stand up DN, and he slid <laughs> out on the slot man and yep. play and dropped into a zone. So that was that was very interesting. Also saw a lot of Daniel Joseph, um, which we really didn't see t- uh, too much of him last week. Um, the, and I guess. The corners were kind of in and out. Keaton Ellis played early, uh, made a tackle. I don't know if he got banged up or something, but they went to Trent Gordon a lot. We saw Donovan Johnson play um, right away on special teams, but didn't really get into corner until uh, later on in the game. Um, so they played a bunch of corners. Safety is an issue um, where you you thought you they, you thought they looked comfortable last week against Idaho. And granted, you know the caveat that it's, it's Idaho. Um, but this week, I thought just across the board. I mean, one through four, and you're looking at Garrett Taylor and Lamont Wade as the starters, and Brisker and uh, Jonathan Sutherland as the backups. Uh, one through four left a lot to be desired, and that's um, you know in, in the running game and the passing game. Um, so I think those guys. Uh, from top to bottom, that group's got to got to get better before they get to Big Ten play. Yeah, Brisker had a tough uh, tough moment of exposure and uh, trying to make an open field tackle, which, as we said, a guy like Castro Field, he was money in that situation. But need your safeties to be able to lock in and, and bring ball carriers down. Uh, that's how you prevent big plays. And Buffalo was able to spring some chunk plays uh, in, in this contest, which was a bit of a surprise um, and kind of when we were assessing what they'd be able to do. Um, ten, know, sh- ten tackles for loss for Penn State, which actually, yeah. you, you know, one sack is more ten than tackles you think, for loss. and just one sack. Yeah, yeah uh, Brooks and I believe Gross Matos yeah. ended up splitting that sack. Um, not a lot of pressure, but of course, Penn's, uh, Buffalo getting the ball out fairly early helped. Um, but uh, yeah, it means that you, you want to see more pressure, even though, especially when you get later in the game. Now, Buffalo kind of sat on it. Buff- Buffalo stuck stuck with their running game the entire game. Um, so that sort of cuts into maybe that comeback mode or whatever. But Penn State just really couldn't get into a flow in, in, a, in a, from a pass rushing perspective. Sean, I picked 45-10, and, and, and when I thought about it, I was thinking, oh, well, 45-10 is a good result. And now we got 45-13 right there. But because of the way it started in those first half hour, it feels different than kind of the way I projected it to be. But I guess when we're evaluating a young team, and I know they're playing a MAC program that lost a lot, that's not expected to go to that conference championship game again. Penn State's got huge tests ahead, but a lot of people are going to really dig in deep. A lot of our colleagues in the press box, a lot of fans dig in on that 10-7 half, but I do think you need to lend some credence, and I'm not trying to to, to spray sunshine all over everybody, but this is a team that, you know, 38-3 in the second half, and, and 
we they haven't proven much. A lot of these guys at key positions, and um, again, they weren't able to get their ground game going. But I think you come away from these first couple of games feeling a level of confidence in Sean Clifford, who he is on the field, off the field, and again. We just didn't know. And a lot of people, I thought, were just taking it for granted that Sean Clifford was going to step in and be the guy. He still has a lot of the ladder to climb to ascend to the point where Penn State's going to need him to be. But I think you come off these two games feeling good about your quarterback, feeling very good about what you've got going on in the defensive secondary, the cornerback position, and what you've cultivated there. You know, I think there's just there's so much temptation at this point to read into to stretches, and before we have a full understanding of what this team is about, we got Pitt coming in next week. Uh, again, the Maryland games look, looks a little bit tougher, but you know, just coming out of these two games, which were you know very different. The, the second half here was mirrored a little bit of what we saw in, in the opener, but the first half it was a clunker, quite frankly. So, what do you get come uh, off of 120 minutes of Penn State football thinking? Well, I mean, it's going to be it's going to go up. Uh, the intensity level is going to go up next week, and that's not to say on the field, but you know, with the the, the pit rivalry and everything like that. I mean, it's going to be talked about all week, and it's going to be in the headlines more so than when you're going to play Buffalo. So. Uh, to me, what you take out of this is you want to see Sean Clifford continue to improve making decisions. Uh, his decisions will go a long way in determining that running game, and that's going to open up a lot of things. Um, and then on defense, you want to continue to make adjustments. Pitt's coming in here. Pitt is a team that uh, traditionally runs the ball a lot. I think Kenny Pickett threw for 321 yards in a win over Ohio today. Um, didn't get a chance to watch it, but a 20-10 to 10 win over the Bobcats was, was, was Pitt's day. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a. I, I think on both sides of the ball, decision making, adjustments, things like that, are going to continue to evolve, and that's what you need to get out of these young players to get them in the situations where they're making the decisions, where it's second nature for them to switch, uh, you know, to to switch into a different gap, to, to do something that they've seen on tape before without somebody telling them to do that. And I still think this team, probably a couple of weeks away from some for, excuse me, from sort of falling into that uh, that groove and getting going. And I would just be watching very closely to see what the approach is for Ricky Ronnie, for Jaywan Sider with the ground game because it's, it's got to get back on track. If, if we see some kind of repeat performance where uh, you know it's, it's kind of just off kilter and you're getting one guy for one series, getting a couple touches, then he's out for the next quarter – it's going to be interesting because they love all four of these running backs. They've made it very clear. Three of them were, you know, top 100 prospects in the composite rankings. And Journey Brown, we know what he's accomplished at the prep level, and he's off to a nice start here. But I just, I am curious how far they will go, uh, and and kind of. Doing the running back by committee kind of deal, not kind of saying, "Hey, we're going to get this guy three straight series where you know he gets ten handoffs. If he gets twenty yards, okay, we learn something. If he gets seventy-five yards, okay, we learn something as well." Because the approach tonight, I don't know maybe what the game plan laid out, but I can't imagine what we're looking at here in the box score. We already went over the numbers. It's not acceptable because of the talent they have in the backfield. And, and obviously a major component of that is the offensive line. So that's something that we're going to continue to focus in on. But uh, positive takeaways is you, is you think you, that your quarterback decision looks like a good quarterback decision right now. You like your backup in Will Levis, but I think you really like your, your starting quarterback in Sean Clifford. And, and ultimately, look, I, seems like some Penn State players, I'm not going to name any names, but some of these guys maybe got a little offended by the fact that the fans turned on them at the half. Uh, and they responded to some adversity in the locker room in their own right. And, and this is just the first step step because uh, let's face it we, we, we got to so accustomed to Trace McSorley being a guy that just about everybody can lean on 
And we mentioned Trace a lot here, and that's not necessarily fair to Sean Clifford, but it just speaks to, yes, this is a young team. There are experienced players. Cam, Cam Brown has played a lot of football. John Reed has played a lot of football. Uh, but you need personalities that are going to cultivate and demand it on a, on a daily basis. So it will be interesting uh, to see what they come out against w- with Pitt. I would not be surprised if, if they come out looking sharper. Um, and I think if that is the case, then, then you probably say, well, this, this team – uh, has grown up a little bit in a hurry, but we just don't know, and it's, it's going to be a game-by-game assessment. And because there are so many new faces and because there are so many unknown commodities long-term for this year, it, we're going to cling to things. We're going to cling to halves. We're going to cling to possessions and try to point out, uh, you know, uh, try to find some uh, reality from it and try to find some kind of uh, definitive answers. And I just don't know that we have them at this point in a lot of areas. And I think that's what Penn State wants to do is is rely on these explosive plays and rely on these splash plays on both sides of the ball. This isn't a team, you know, you talked about that drive that Buffalo had in the second quarter where they just grinded away at the clock. Three double-digit play drives for Buffalo, I believe. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's Penn State. That's not Penn State's offense. That's not what they're going to do. They're going to, you know, push uh, push for their spots and try and get these big plays. And whether that's right or wrong, I mean, you're you're going to determine that at the end of the game. But when Penn State got that pick six, they built on it. They just, uh, uh, you know, continued to strike quickly and get things going. And you know, your defense is w- would like you to stay on the field a little bit a little bit longer than that. Um, but still, this is going to be a big play uh, type of uh, of offense. If they're going to put up points, it's not. It's going to go from like we saw today, from seven to twenty one, pretty quick. Uh, maybe maybe sometimes quicker than it goes from zero to seven. So um, I think that's something to remember with this team uh, and this offense and this approach. Um, they're they're going for big plays. They're picking their spots, going for big plays, and it's not uh, it's not just move the sticks, move the sticks, move the sticks. And you know they've they've been pretty successful with that. And quickly before we wrap up, I know people will be complaining about certain things. We've obviously addressed some things that were no. less than stellar, but we got this far. We did not mention special teams, and that's something we talked about all last year, all off season. Jake Pinniger made his field goal, made his extra points. Uh, Stout continues to kick the crap out of the ball out of the back of the end zone. K.J. Hamler had a huge punt return that set up a touchdown drive. And Blake Gilligan, after a rough start to his night on his first punt, he ends up, uh, you know, a couple punts inside the twenty, and, and on five punts, an average of about forty-one point two. Yeah, and it was a it was a performance where you know you had good things in spots, and it was kind of I guess it was probably average to above average across the board. But when you're talking about last year's special teams, I mean that's a huge difference. Jordan Stout's leg, man. Um, I I don't I don't know what else to say except that kickoffs are now boring and that's the best possible thing i mean uh, we talked about this this week on the site it, it, last year penn state's average uh, kickoff starting field position for their opponents was the 28 yard line and that doesn't seem like much when you're kicking it to the 25 or excuse me when you have a touchback every time and you're starting at the 25 well there's that variance of hey if i stop a guy on the 18 to average out to being 28, it'd be 30. Uh, you know, you, you give one up to the 38-yard line. So uh, you get rid of that variance. You put them at the 25 every time. I know it's kind of boring, but, uh, hey, I mean, Jordan Stout's almost putting it through the uprights. So it just you, you're just going to have to deal with it. And tonight was a nice recruiting opportunity. You had uh, Theo Johnson in the house, a uh, top tight end target. He saw Pat Frymuth catch a couple touchdowns. Dante Thornton in the house, former Penn State commit, top 10 receiver prospect in the 2021 class. 
He was back on campus for the first time since reopening his recruitment. Saw a young receiver in Jahan Dotson have himself a career day. So also some positive things off the field. We'll obviously have uh, full recruiting coverage on the site, but also wanted to make note of that. And uh, we'll have uh, you know, takeaways and, and some photos up online 24-7, along with the full thing of uh, uh, James Franklin's entire press conference. we got breakdowns, and, and we'll have some stories from the player interviews up in the morning. So if you're listening to this extremely late on a Saturday night or on Sunday morning, head over to the site. We'll, we'll have you covered with plenty. Uh, any final thoughts here before they turn the lights out on Beaver Stadium? No, I don't know my, how much time we have left. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, a long, long night. But, uh, hey, it's a 30-some point win. They, you know, I know we don't have a – I don't know how many gamblers we have on here, but they covered the spread. A they few. did what they had to do yeah. uh, from that aspect. And, and they, there's a lot to work on, but there's a lot to build on uh, as well going into Pitt. Yeah, Penn State uh, surges 38-3 to in that second half, and they come away with a, a win on the scoreboard that certainly feels a, a, like a much wider margin than what it felt like as we watched from the press box. Uh, for Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. We heard a lot of great positive feedback on our last postgame uh, podcast. If, if you have anything else to add, we'd love to hear it on this one. And, and again, uh, big fuel to the fire in, in getting us here to stick around for a while uh, was that feedback. So hopefully you enjoyed this show. We'll be back with another episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Take a look toward the pick game, some final thoughts on this one. But for now, we're stepping away and walking away from Beaver Stadium.